Are dents and scratches putting a dent in your day? Introducing Rogerstein Crash Repairs Adelaide, your trusted solution for automotive woes. With over two decades of expertise, Rogerstein Crash Repairs guarantees top-notch service, restoring your vehicle to its former glory in no time. From minor dings to major collisions, our skilled technicians handle it all with precision and care using state-of-the-art equipment and techniques. Rogerstein Crash Repairs saved my car. It looks brand new. Fast, friendly and reliable. I wouldn't trust anyone else with my vehicle. Don't let accidents slow you down. Visit Rogerstein Crash Repairs Adelaide at 14 Penner Avenue, Glind for quality service you can count on. And here's a special offer just for our listeners. Mention this podcast and receive a $100 discount on your repair. Roger Steen Crash Repairs Adelaide. Excellence in every repair. Sportscast SA presents Game On. Game On. South Australia's destination for everything sports. Local, national, and international sports. AFL football, soccer, basketball, golf, baseball, tennis, cricket, and any other sports played in this wide world. And we're going to have a blast doing it. So sit back, relax, and let's do this thing. Welcome to Game On. Welcome to Game On. My name's Pete. Once again, joined by Malcolm in the studio. And uh, we didn't have a guest last week, so we can't talk about that. But let's get let's get straight into it. Straight into it today, mate. Around the grounds. We're going to have a little bit of a look at the soccer, some SNFL, uh, some tennis, but we're going to kick off with the AFL, mate. Yeah. So, round one, some huge games, you know, first up, so Carlton and Richmond, mm-hmm. obviously Collingwood and Geelong. Yep. I think Port Brisbane would be a good game here. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's too many weaknesses in round oh, one. It's no, actually it's quite an interesting round. Yeah. It's actually a chance. They're saying it's a chance to break it. Break the attendance records. So, yep. Yeah. All right, mate. Well, let's go into a bit of tipping for round one. We've obviously got some pretty good matches. Um, let's go with Carlton and Richmond. Uh, I'll go Richmond. Yeah, it's hard as a Carlton man to say Richmond as well, but I think they might just get over the line, mate. Oh, I think it'll be a very good game. You know, McKay, McKay and Charlie Kernow up forward. Uh, yeah, the Twin Towers could 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 be the damage, but yeah. Taranto and Hopper giving him that bit more balance around the ball. Yeah, just probably f- for me as well, gets them over the line. Kerno and McKay were very, very good last year. Teaming up, you'd expect that they'd be pretty good, but yeah, I just think Richmond are just above them, so we both pick Richmond. Yeah, but I, I still certainly wouldn't be surprised. I think that's a 50-50 game. Absolutely. All right, Geelong-Collingwood on the Friday night, mate. Yeah, I've gone Geelong. Yeah, I've gone Geelong as well. I think they'll um, they'll be around the mark once again, and really they've they've added some youth to their squad yeah. as well. I mean, you you think of them as an aging squad, but they've added a little bit of youth, and and I think they can only just go from strength to strength. Yeah, the bizarre bit to get both from Gold Coast and pick seven was crazy. Yeah, 
quite strange, that one. Whoever's on their recruiting committee or draft selection committee has done very, very well yes. there, that's for sure. Yep. So you picked Geelong. I'll go for Geelong as well, mate. All right, on the Saturday, mate, North Melbourne, West Coast. I'll go North Melbourne. I think it's a toss of the coin job. I uh, might go West Coast on this yep. one, mate, just, just for a little bit different. I think that... Um, yeah, they showed a little bit against Port, and they showed a little bit against a little bit against the Crows. Although North Melbourne do have the uh, Clarkson factor that could come yeah, in, but toss the coin. It is a bit of a toss of the coin. I'll go West Coast, mate. Yep. Well, one we're waiting for. Uh, one of the games we're waiting for: Port and Brisbane. I'll go Brisbane. I think just yeah. Well, while I don't take too much notice of pre-season, I think them at Brisbane with Dunkley and Ashcroft just giving them that extra midfield balance. And Gunston to direct their forward line, pretty hard to tip against. They look like they've gone to another level on on the basis that they're just moving the ball that little bit quicker at the moment. That could be the difference between them, obviously, uh, going one step further this year or two steps further this year, and maybe not. It'll be interesting to see how they'll cope without McStay. You know, he's the ultimate team man, the one percenters, the fact that the block, all that side of things, and Adams injured at the other end. So yeah, it's. But just really hard. While I normally go home side, yeah. it's hard to go against Brisbane. I think Brisbane are in a little bit better place. We talked yep. about them briefly last week saying that, you know, we think that they've got some of their deck chairs already already in a pretty good spot, already in a row, ready to go for round one. It's it's no certainty against no. Port Adelaide and, and Port could actually come out and turn it on. But you just have to favour Brisbane just for that little bit of class at the moment. You do. But if the you know, if their youth Horn Francis and Rosie and Butters gets gets on top, then they're a huge chance. They are indeed, and uh, there'll be certainly plenty uh, keeping an eye on that game, especially here in Adelaide. Mate, another one that's intriguing as well, and, and again, when I started writing out these so we could do our tips, Melbourne and the Western Bulldogs. That's another interesting match. That It's a hard game, yeah. but I'll go Melbourne. I'm going to go Melbourne too, but I don't think it's a, as easy as, oh, easy no. as you think no, on paper. Not at all. I think the Western Bulldogs are certainly a little bit better placed than what most people give them credit for. Especially that cute, their height and their forward line, dry weather this time of the year, no dew, all that side of things. Yeah, they're a big chance. Bulldogs uh, certainly a fleet of foot as well, and if they can deliver the ball pretty well, yeah, it's good. But Gorn and Gr- Grundy, Grundy yeah. um, method or um, experiment could come to fruition. Look, it already has during the preseason, so it'll be interesting to see it in round one. Yep. Gold Coast Sydney, mate. Finish out round round one on a Saturday. Yeah, I'll go Sydney. I, I again, I'm hesitant to tip against Gold Coast up there, but yeah, I, I just still like all that Sydney youth. Sydney, I think I got a little bit of a point to prove after last year's grand final. I think they'll be coming out and breathing a bit of fire and. Obviously, Horse came out during the week and sort of said, Buddy's not going to be playing every game. Yeah. But when he does play, geez, what a handy asset to have. And, yeah, I think against Gold Coast, they're just going to get over the line there, obviously, at Metricon Stadium. All right, we move on to Sunday, mate. Uh, another big one for an Adelaide team, GWS and Adelaide Crows. Yeah, I'll go GWS. They've had the wood over Adelaide, well and truly. And if in doubt, go the home side. So I've gone GWS, mate. Fair enough. New coach at GWS uh, yeah, can lift a team early on. They've obviously gone for one captain this year in Toby Green. Yep. Um, I'm going to pick Adelaide. I, I, I they back them. They've impressive. had pretty good form yeah. so far. Yes, GWS will be looking to shut down some of their superstars, but I just see if Adelaide get it into that forward line. I just can't see them not giving up too many goals. I think they're going to score more than, than they give up. 
Yeah, Taylor's a very good player as a key defender for GWS. Yeah, look, again, it's a toss of the coin job. So I think you're right with uh, GWS having the wood over Adelaide. I, I think they'll be pretty buoyed from their, their form over in, in WA, so they've got some good yeah. away games. Again, we don't put a lot of yeah. um, merit on, on practice games, but at the same time, I think that they've just got everything clicking in the right area and injuries look all right at the moment. So I'll back them early on in the season to have a, have a good win. Wait and see. Wait and see. Uh, another one that's a bit of a toss of the coin, especially for me anyway, is Hawthorne-Essendon. Yeah, I'll go Hawthorne. Uh, uh, sorry, nah, you are right. It is a toss of the coin. I, at this stage, I'll go Hawthorne, but I want to see the two sides picked. All right, well, because we're recording this yes, on a Wednesday, Wednesday night, night it's a bit hard. you've got to toss the coin yeah. on that one without a, without a team. I just think Essendon are going to be that little bit ruthless, but I don't discount Hawthorne giving yeah. them a hell of a lot of trouble. Yeah, it's a... They, they are going to be buzzing around and causing all sorts of issues that are, are going to test us, and then, and they really need to get off to a good start, especially with what's happened over the yeah. last few seasons. So yeah. it is a toss of the coin. Yeah, I'll, I'm, I'm a big chance to end up tipping Essendon in the tipping comp, but I won't see. All right, well, for here we're saying yep. Hawthorne, yep. done. And our last game to finish the round is St Kilda and Frio. St Kilda just too many injuries, I'll go Frio. I'm entirely in the same boat, mate. Oh, I think Frio were impressive last year. They have lost a couple of players through the off-season. And, yeah, I just think that they've just got that little bit more class. St Kilda, I think, without the injuries, you'd have to pick them. But I don't know where they're going to get their goals from. That's what, that's my biggest worry. Yeah, without King, uh, you know, I think Membry's still in doubt. So if there's, I think there's a couple of others, you know, it's not not the year that Ross Lyon would have <laughs> wanted to come back to. Everything just hasn't quite gone right for him so far. Um, yeah, and Frio just look like they're uh, they're building quite nicely. I don't see them making the eight or just outside the eight at the moment, but I think they'll get off to a good start at round one. Obviously, in Melbourne as well. Yeah. All right, mate. Um, we'll um, we'll leave the AFL tipping for a little bit. We'll have a. I haven't got this on the run sheet, but. We'll have a little bit of a look at Adelaide and Port Adelaide's round one victories. I had a bit of a look at this on YouTube today, right. and we'll talk about Adelaide, Port Adelaide first. Yep. Um, Port Adelaide round one 2004, playing Essendon at Footy Park. Very, very impressive scores as far as at the 15 or 16 minute mark of the first quarter. She was pretty tight, and all of a sudden, Stuart Jew and Chad Corn stepped yeah. up. <laughs> Yeah, Stewie Dewey certainly had... Uh, oh, that raking left foot was just impressive, wasn't it? Yep. Um, obviously, Port Adelaide getting off to a very good start in their premiership. Well, it ended up being their premiership year. Yeah. Um, very, very good. I think they kicked... Or well, they won by about 15 or 16 goals there. So, you know, it was a very impressive start to the season for Port Adelaide. And, uh, yeah, some names there that obviously have gone on to, to do some pretty good things. And that Port Premiership year has actually produced a few coaches along the yes. way as well. Yeah, it's That's funny. That's the other thing. Funny how that seems to happen the, from a premiership side. You know, yeah, because Brisbane have done Hardwick, it. Hardwick, Kingsley. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's been a few around Jews the Jews there. Um, yeah, as you said, Hardwick. Then you go to Brisbane, you look at Voss and yeah. and um, and who else is in there? The Scots, the both yeah. the Scott brothers. So, yeah, that, that, that period has actually formed a lot of the coaching structures for what's gone on in previous years. Rocket E played up in Brisbane as well. Absolutely. And then we move on to Adelaide, round one. Their best round one victory was actually their first game in the AFL against Hawthorne. <laughs> round one, footy yes. park. Yeah, it was, Gee, everything went well that night, didn't they? It was crazy. Crazy night. It was 
Funny too, just happened to walk out of the leg trap. Bizarrely then, Hawthorne walked from the leg trap through the car park. Imagine that nowadays. Mm-hmm. So just by fluke, I've ended up walking through, just chatting away to Matty Robber, and no one said a word to yep, us. Yep, Matty's actually been interviewed on a Where Are They Now since. Yes. And they said about the abuse to Hawthorne. He said, oh, yeah, I didn't really cop it because I was just chatting away to Malcolm. So, yeah. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, it's it was all good. Wow, what a night for them to start their AFL career. I mean, you've heard some of the players talk about how it just elevated them to a whole new level. We spoke with Rocket Maynard on our podcast yeah. here who gave a brief summation of, of what happened on that night. And he, as you said, he was in the leading goal kickers at the end of round yes. one. And, gee, uh, watching some of the YouTube footage, gee, sneaking forward there and just dobbing them from 50. And, gee, he's looked a, looked a class above that night. Big week, big couple of weeks for Rocket. Plays in the trial game against Essendon. With the illustrious Cheryl up in the grandstand, yes. absolutely Petri- panicking. Petrified is going to get injured, yes. Married the next day, so no honeymoon, yes. bang, and then dominates four, five nights later, kicking four goals from her back pocket. Mate, you have a look at some of the players from that first round. McGuinness, McDermott, both Jarmans. Uh, obviously, Dar- Darren was playing for Hawthorne on that night, but still reasonably influential. McIntyre, Kluge, yes, Mc- uh, yeah. who else? Was Marshall. Maynard, which we've talked about, um, you know, Eddie Hocking, there was yeah. a name that, that popped up there that, you know, certainly did his little bit as well. And, uh, wow, what a way to start your AFL career. David Marshall, I still say, if I'm picking my best ever crow side, yes. and picking specialist wingman, yes. oh. he's still uh, – and it was just a shame. and It was staggering that AFL recruiters had ignored him yep. for so long. And I wish he'd gone another year – yeah, but, just just yeah. watching the highlights. As I said, wanted to talk about it tonight on the podcast. But just watching the highlight, the ball was zipping around oh, left, right, so centre, and night. it was so clean. Yeah, uh, everything seemed to sort of bounce the crow's oh. way. But gee, you, you sort of make your own luck in those uh, situations. And wow, what a way to what a yeah. way to get off to the start. Yeah. So, hoping round one for both Port Adelaide and, and Adelaide uh, along those lines for for round one. I think Porter got a little bit of a tougher chance of of doing it, but. And the Crows have got a pretty tough gig yeah. up in G- GWS, but geez, if they can take a little bit of inspiration from that first round, well then who knows what might happen. Yes, that was an incredible night. It certainly was. All right, match of the round, round one. Which which one are you going with? If I have to, I'm probably going Geelong Collingwood if I'm absolutely forced. Yep. Yeah, I think that's not a bad one to pick. I'm actually really interested in the Port Brisbane one, to be yeah. honest with you, because from a... From a point of view of whoever loses this game, there's going to be a few knocks on the door Monday morning to go, hey, what's going on? I don't think it's justified, round one, but I do think that yeah, the, I think uh, the pressure under, starts I think, to be to build. I think Porter under a bit more heat than Brisbane Yep, you know, at the moment. And Fagan's obviously yeah, no, signed for two, two more years, years so yeah. takes a little bit of the pressure off there, whereas at the moment... Uh, Kenny, you know, putting all talks off until August, September, um, which the club's already come out and said as well. So, yeah, I think those are probably the two best games for for round one. So we'll keep a bit of an eye on that one there, and we've got our tips, and we'll put them on our Facebook page, and please follow along. Yeah, have a bit of fun. Have have a bit of fun for sure. All right, mate, and just to finish off with the AFL for the first around the grounds tonight is the incentive... For teams to compete for record prize money across both the women, men's and women's competition, mm, yeah, I'm, I think it's a good idea. It's a good yeah, concept. Yeah, I'm not sure on it. I'm, I think round one teams are up and buzzing. Just purely round one, it's the end of trials. It's it goes up a beat anyway. I, I yeah, I, 
I don't really reckon it's necessary. That's but, yeah. You know. Without women, women's footy playing eighteen rounds. Sorry, twenty two rounds yeah. or twenty three rounds. It could be. It. I know that they're offsetting the points to yeah. to, to counteract that, but I think until you get both men's and women's playing twenty three rounds, I, I'm not. I'm not 100% sold on it. I think it's a great concept idea. Yeah, I'm not. But I'm not 100% c- yeah, sold on it. Yeah. All right, we'll leave it there, mate. We'll move on. Yeah, the baseball. Australia, you little beauty. Absolutely. Uh, we've talked about baseball here quite a bit, but more on the local level for the Adelaide Giants, who do, in fact, have a few representatives playing mm. in the uh, baseball classic at the moment. We've actually made the quarterfinals, mate. First ever time. Yes. The illustrious Daryl Harper was following it religiously at, at <laughs> Richmond at Richmond at Hisense Arena on Saturday. That was more exciting than the trial game, actually. Um, <laughs> yeah, and no, I, you know, so there's been some great results. It's, you know, the first round Australia just got up 8-7 over Republic Korea. Yes. You know, hammered China, actually got the mercy rule there. Yes. 12-2, I think it was, yeah. Yep, went down, got beaten com- convincingly by Japan, who, who topped our group. Which I, which I don't think was all that bad, if no. that makes sense. Seven yeah. one, the score doesn't look so good, but it, they were in that game for for quite a, a quite a long yeah. long time. Yep. And then beat Czech Republic, so we finished second in our group. Fantastic. Cuba awaits. Look, it's a bonus. Anything going forward, it's certainly the biggest, most successful Australian baseball championship. So, yeah. All the best. Absolutely. Japan topping the stage with four wins, no losses. Australia with three wins, one loss, which we talked about there. Uh, Korea finishing 2-2, Czech Republic 1-3, and China 0-4. and Mate, I think when the draw came out, the, the, the pool that we're in was always going to be pretty tough, but, gee, we've risen to the, to the occasion, and we get a bit of a chance to have a bit of a free hit at Cuba here. Yeah. And I think that's how, they, and I think that's how they've got to play it. Cuba finished top of their table in Pool A, but just looking over the scores in Pool A and watching some of the games, uh, Cuba actually finished with two wins, two losses. But guess what? Italy finished with two wins, two losses. Netherlands finished with two wins, two losses. Panama finished with two yeah. wins, two losses, and the Chinese Taipei finished with two wins, two losses as well. So. It's not great form from each yeah, team it's, because it's sort of shared around, and a couple of those teams you wouldn't exactly say are baseball nuts, especially say not Italy, houses, Italy yeah. and Netherlands, um, and yet they still finish two two. So I think Australia have got a great chance to to do this. So we send out our best wishes, and gee, if we get through to a semi final, um, I think there's going to be a hell of a lot of people in the baseball field around here that are going to be very very excited. Might be able to hear it from across the road from uh, East Torrance. East Torrance, yes, yeah. yeah, The Red Sox over the road there, so you never know. All right, mate, we move on to cricket. Uh, The final test uh, in India, sort of a little bit of a fizzer in the end. We go from three absolute Bunsen burners to a road. Um, A Karen Rolton special, nearly. Yeah, disappointing. Look, he's a... Quite angry about the series overall. Disappointed with the lead up and McDonald not to admit that we got it wrong. Then the pitch is prepared. The fast call bit of the bit for the pitch for the left-handers. India do whatever they like. Yep. You know we've spoken about that. It was fast call. So yeah, a bit of a bitter taste for the thing. Look, we now play them at the Oval. Yes. Not, not Lords play at the Oval yep. in the World Championship final. So yeah. What do we take away from this series? I mean. Yes, the pitches were a contentious talking point for, for us in our last couple of episodes, but 
Also, a lot of the media around the place, it looked like they were doing everything in the first couple of tests to make sure that that ball spun at right angles. Um, And both teams obviously had to play it, and our spinners certainly bowled pretty well to the conditions. We didn't bat as well to the conditions as what India did. Uh, And then the, the, the last test where, you know, there wasn't a whole lot on the game apart from the... You know, we needed to be in it to try and get into the uh, final of the World uh, Test Final. It was just trying to draw the series. Yeah, correct, yeah, and that's why I think that the pitch ended up being a bit of a road. It was as hard as a rock. Look, probably disappointed that Kuhneman didn't go in the first place. Um, Luke Key, it's almost a law that on a on a wicket which is going to turn square, you want a left-arm orthodox, and that really hurt us in the first test not having yep. that. Yes. Um, you know, and so... And picking teams from the Nets, Travis Head missing out, mm-hmm. Renshaw playing. There's been some crazy decisions. Well, Steve Smith comes out in his last press conference and said, you know, we, we sort of take this as a, a little bit of a, a draw as far as the season goes. And yes, they got better and better as the season went, but that reverts back to our point we made a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. If you're not playing trial games or you're not playing practice matches, warm-up games. Warm games in the country you're playing against, it's going to cause some issues, especially in the first test, maybe the first two tests, and that's exactly what happened here. I'm still shaking my head in disbelief for so that. So selection and also trial games or, or practice games, practice I matches. I know they exactly say help. India will then prepare a green deck and it's nothing like the things, but surely just purely being out, not on the nets, and yep. playing in the conditions, yes. in the weather and India and all that, Yes, that's far better than nets in Sydney. I'm sorry, that was crazy. Picking on net form just seemed like a bit of a head scratcher. I'm not as much of a cricket nut as what you are, and even I was scratching my head. So very, very interesting. All right, mate, we'll take a little bit of a break. When we come back after the break, we'll, we'll talk about some of the uh, Adelaide United, a few SNFL games, trial games on the weekend, and uh, some tennis. You're listening to the Game On Podcast. We'll be right back after this short break. Around the Grounds. And we're going to have a look at the soccer, mate. Adelaide United. Go, you Reds. Mate, very impressive win against the Newcastle Jets. Uh, I think that's four out of the last five with a draw in between. Yeah. And scoring prolifically at the moment. Certainly creating plenty of goal-scoring opportunities. Another 4-2 win. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, okay, a little bit disappointing goals, but... Uh, they're certainly scoring and, yeah, looking really dangerous. They're Absolutely. now in second spot. Big game against Wellington Phoenix on Friday night here. At Cooper Stadium, yep. Yeah, um, yeah. so another win. We'll consolidate second spot. Sky's the limit there uh, for Adelaide United. Um, they seem to be coming into some very, very good form at this time of the year. Yeah, it's, you know, it's go you Reds and wait and see. Absolutely. If you can get down to Cooper Stadium on Friday night, kickoff is at 7.15. Uh, we've had Mary on the podcast a few times, and uh, she'd be certainly happy to see you down the um, Red Supporters' end, um, supporting Adelaide United, and hopefully we can get a big win against Phoenix United. Yeah, so it's certainly up and about, and yeah, wait and see how we go. Absolutely. All right, mate, we'll move on to the SNFL. We've had a few more trial games played over the last weekend. Um, just running through them, North Adelaide defeats South Adelaide at Theberton. 
15-13 to South Adelaide 6-13. My male is north were very impressive. Certain B Phillips ran into him on uh, Saturday afternoon. We were just walking, I was walking through uh, at Uni Oval and ran into mm-hmm. him and yeah, he'd had gone and had a look. And yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Eagles defeating West Adelaide 7-10 to 4-9 at High Sense Stadium. Yeah, I think West Eagles will be the team to struggle. Yeah, I think we already flagged that a couple yeah. of weeks ago. So, yep. uh, Glenelg defeating Centrals uh, 14-4 to 13-2. Yeah. Just some very accurate kicking there. Yes, yeah. yeah, a pretty incredible scoreline. Six points combined between um, two teams and 27 goals is not a, not a bad mm. effort, not a bad day out. And Sturt defeating Norwood uh, 11-10 to 6-5 at High Sense Arena. Yeah, Norwood played a lot of kids, probably... I will be honest, I, I think Nord would be a little bit worried on some of those kids. I think they thought they were probably a little bit more advanced. But it's also hard. I think it was probably 12 or 13 out of Nord's uh, predicted round one side. Mm-hmm. So, you know, depending on injuries, it could be nine. It could be a bit, a bit, be at least eight or nine changes from that. So it was a little bit harder to gauge. Sturt were, Sturt were probably... Closer to fuller strength than what Nord were, yep. but but Sturt moved the ball pretty well. So yeah, they were they were impressive, but it was hard to work out opposition yep. wise. Very good test uh, for um, for Nord uh, against a, a Sturt side that is going along all right at the moment. I think we've both picked them to be in the top five. So very very interesting uh, trial matches this weekend. Friday night we've got West Adelaide playing Sturt. Yeah. Yep, so I think Sturt might have another good run. Uh, preview of round one, Nord v the Eagles, but at Theberton? Yeah, it's interesting, that. so Because um, normally you don't play someone that you play yeah, with in the, the week, first yeah. couple of weeks of the season, so very interesting that Nord are playing the Eagles at, yeah. at Thebby. I thought it was at Richmond, so has it now been changed? Uh, well, on the SNFL website here, I've uh, got Thebberton Oval, 740, so... Uh, Friday night, if you're not at the Adelaide United game and you want to see some uh, SNFL football, then uh, head over to Theberton Oval. Yeah, I'll check that. Yep. Uh, North Adelaide versus Port Adelaide, Saturday be... morning, 11am at yeah, Theberton Oval. Yeah, that could be a good game, actually. Mm. So, Port, not many injuries at the moment at AFL level, so you'd say that could be a good hit out. And they're obviously looking to get uh, some runs in the legs of some players that could be pushing for round one. Yeah. Centrals v South at uh, out at Elizabeth, ex-convenience oval. Uh, could be a reasonable game. Centrals are really hard to gauge at the moment because they've recruited just so many new players. Yes. Um, they're probably just a little hard to, to follow. Yep. So, yeah. And uh, to finish us off, we've got Glenelg v Adelaide at uh, Thebiton Oval, 4pm on Saturday afternoon. I reckon that'll be a pretty... Pretty good game as well. Yeah, I think, again, Crows are in the same boat where they don't have too many injuries at the moment and we'll be looking to get some uh, game time into some of those players that may be pushing for round one as well. Yeah. Very interesting. And then uh, one more trial game uh, for the following week. Uh, it's just Port v Adelaide at Albert and Oval, so a little bit of a um, hit out for those yeah. players but yeah. with that week off for the SNFL players as well. So. All right, mate, we did say we're going to have a little bit of a look at some of the SNFL clubs, and tonight we'll have a little bit of a look at Central Districts. Again, as I said, really hard to gauge. Look, getting Jez McClellan back from Gold Coast, I think, is a pretty important pickup. Uh, he can seriously play. Um, Mahal Lo- 
the Hail Lua Lokowicz or Lokowicz. It's good luck. Yep. Um, <laughs> Next from Stir. I from Stir. I yep. think he's got a bit to offer as well. Um, yeah. So I really, re- I reckon Centrals might be might take a few weeks to really know where they're at. Um, they could come out and surprise a few, yeah. um, but then they could also get touched up a couple of times as well. But I. I, I see them sitting around about sixth, maybe seventh for the year, but they're, they're on they're on the build again. I mean, you know, we we just um, yeah, we've yeah, got to, we've got to think that they have had a high turnover, so it's going to be interesting. And their BNF winner Kyle Presbury from last year hurt his knee against Nord uh, last week, and luckily it wasn't an ACL. Not last week, the week before, yes. but he's got serious bone bruising, and so that's always a bit hard to know how many he'll miss from there. And centrals are saying he's out to at least round three. Well, as we know with clubs, he's probably out around six and seven. So yep. yeah, so that's a big loss for very, them as well. So. Very interesting. Uh, we'll stick with centrals just briefly. Obviously, out at X Convenience Oval there in Elizabeth, um, their women's uh, league season at the moment has got off to two wins and one loss. Yeah, coached by the illustrious Ben Hunt from uh, from Paynham, and yeah, so they'd be pretty happy out at Doggies Land with Doggies Land with that. And a couple of their juniors from last year on the junior male side of things are looking uh, Dudley and that up yep. and about. So yeah. Bit of promise there as well. Uh, last uh, men's premiership uh, in 2010, um, 2023 maybe, maybe not. I wouldn't think so yet, yep. but I think that I, I think they can take a step forward overall for the future. Yep. And who knows, they might get back to those uh, Helsing days of the early 2000s. Well, yeah, they certainly dominated the competition. Yes. They certainly did. All right, mate, and... Um, just going back to the SNFLW, uh, in Indigenous round this weekend. Yeah, look, never... Had, Good initiative. Yeah, and it's actually interesting. The Guernseys sell very well overall with club merchandise. Um, I know Nord's you know, got theirs up and about. So, yeah, I'm all in favour of that, of that side of it. And yeah, hopefully some merchandise sales. Absolutely, and um, and promote for the good great, as well. Yeah, great, great initiative. And um, as I said, it's this weekend, so if you can get out to your local SNFL ground and, and watch some of those women's matches, Nord have been a bit unlucky in the last couple yeah. of weeks uh, with an average loss of about four points or five points yeah. or something like that. So I'm commentating the the West Adelaide and Sturt game, and I certainly know uh, before the next gets a double header there. I know there's another there's a um, Ceremony yes. in terms of Indigenous round. Absolutely. Uh, they're, they're welcome at, to country. At, welcome at yep. Richmond on Sunday. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, hopefully get to see some of that online. I won't be uh, there on this Sunday, but I'll certainly be attending a few more games uh, in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I might. I'll see where I end up tomorrow, uh, Friday night. Yep. Yeah. All right. All right, mate. The tennis. Go for it. So Unsportsmanlike contact show. Shown by women, women's players at in the, at the Indian Wells tournament. Yeah, um, very yes. interesting. Donna Donna Vecic, uh refused to shake hands with her opponent Lisa Terensko. Um, there was a bit of byplay. This is this is <laughs> you shouldn't not shake your hands at the end of the yeah. day. We've all had bad days yeah. and we've all had shockers, uh, and we've all walked off pretty disappointed. But at the end of the day, not to shake hands, just not. Didn't quite sit right, but some fans are saying, well, the the, the byplay and the sportsmanship and all of that had been building up over the last fortnight, and 
I think uh, Vecic had, had had enough. You know what? Doesn't help in the end. That's, no, that's the key. The key thing in the end. Unfortunately, in five years' time, this will then come up again. Where you shake hands, it's forgotten about. Yep. So a little bit of common sense. Well, you've got to also remember your role models for younger younger players. Yep. And yes, we don't want little McEnroe's running around, and we want little curiosities running around from the ability point of view, but we don't the from attitude. the disrespect, exactly. uh, disrespectful attitude rolling around. Uh, and then we don't want to see players not shaking hands because they've had a little bit of a Barney on the uh, on the field or on the tennis court. On the, in this case, couldn't it's agree more. Not uh, a great role model, um, but look, hopefully they can get over that one there. And um, uh, I don't see them sending each other a Christmas card this year. That's for sure. No, it's looking quite unlikely. <laughs> I don't think the postie's going to get overworked with that one. No, I don't think so either. All right, mate. We're going to take a quick break, and when we return, we've got a very special guest, David Wildey. Grab the malt. You're listening to the Game On Podcast. We'll be right back after this short break. Past players, past legends, past legends. We welcome welcome aboard David Wildey. North Adelaide, 146 games, 32 goals, life member, uh, former prospect cricketer as well. Sobers Richards Wildy, we'll get to that in terms of a couple of batting trophies at, at, at Prospect Land. And of course, media wise, where it's more, more what Wilds hasn't done than done in terms <laughs> of being around just your, you know, your casual 31 grand finals. Is that all? Yeah, 26 years on double A. Now moved over to SEN. And yeah, so welcome aboard, Wilds. Yeah, thanks, guys. Great to be here. I think you just robbed me of three GF, so 34 I, now. Yeah, uh, I was, bit, of bl- bit of blighty in that. Yeah, apologies on that. I was, I admit, I was going <laughs> to check that out, check that beforehand. Yes, yeah, so I should have That's done fine. that. Damn, Wikipedia doesn't quite give us no, the accurate no, results yeah. every time. We knew it was above 30 anyway. Yeah. <laughs> right, we'll start at, start at the beginning. How did you get into football, obviously, for North Adelaide? I always loved footy, uh, but I barracked for Norwood for the yes, first don't worry, I was going to get to that, Wilds. 18 years of my life. And um, I live one street on the boundaries on the North Adelaide side, played um, all, all my junior football at Walkerville. Then I badly broke my leg when I was 15 and playing against the men on a Sunday league, and I missed two and a half years of uh, football. Went back to Walkerville and under um, 18s, we won the premiership there. And um, someone from North Adelaide must have seen me play because they asked me out the following year. And I, I played under 19s there. And um, in the early days, I used to play under 19s and go and watch Norwood play. So it took me a long while to get away from the Red Legs, but um, that's how it started. Basically, got picked up from Walkerville. And uh, state junior sides as well, as well, Wilds. So it was primary, state primary schools uh, with cricket and all that as well. Was footy, footy on the horizon there as well? Yeah, it was. I used to often have the district, you know, you go to Melbourne. I played at Walkville and at Broadview and Jeps Cross, Greenacres, St. Paul's, those sort of clubs and made a lot of the association sides. Um, But I think cricket early might have been my main passion, but... It sort of turned when I got a bit older, joined the fire brigade, and um, it was re- one had to go, and it wasn't going to be the fire brigade, and and I uh, had had the backing of Mike Noonan, the senior coach at the time, and uh, yeah, the rest is history. 
I do want to go back to the uh, St. Peter's YCW now with the uh, <laughs> Adelaide Uni people and uh, people around Adelaide with this one. When Wilds broke his leg, he copped the, as we know, the most dangerous thing in Adelaide, the RBV, the random Boz Maloney visit. Now, you can, you know, RB, RBT, yes, the fine and lose your licence, but he couldn't get away from Boz. Yeah, well, only, it's funny, I, 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 he's finally convinced me to play in the, as a Sunday league at the time, and I reckon only lasted a couple of quarters, and a couple of big guys, I was very, very skinny back then, a couple of big guys went from each side of my leg, and it was, it was a really nasty fracture, and in fact, I had my leg in plaster for nine months back then, and I grew about five inches, so it wasn't probably great timing. But yeah, but Boz came and visited me in hospital and brought chocolates in, and and even picked me up, Malcolm. Um, we used to play cards. He used to play cards on a might have been the Thursday night at St Peter's. And when you're in plaster and can't get around, it was a really nice gesture. So he sort of looked after me. But uh, gee, that seems a long while ago now. Two what? hours of your life you'll never get back with. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, casual ninety nine goals for Walkerville under eighteens. Couldn't quite get that hundred wilts. No, we we kicked in the. I, we sort of um, I got to ninety nine in the grand final too. I think I kicked six in the in the grand final, which we won in what, in under eighteen. What year was that? Uh, God, that would be nineteen seventy seven or seventy eight. And but uh, that year I also played four or five games for Walkerville Seniors and um, and one game for North Adelaide under nineteen. But we had a very good team back then. It was a great year. The following year went out to under nineteen and. Rodney Robin was my yeah. coach there. They played me in the ruck, and once again, I weighed I think eleven and a half kilo, eleven and a half stone back then. I'd be right, a bit worried and, if it was eleven and a half kilos. <laughs> yeah, well, I put on about that from that yeah. time. But um, I said to Rodney, I, "I don't think I can do this. I'm not a ruckman. I'm a forward." And and after about the fifth round, there he put me to full forward, and we won a heap of games in a row, made the grand final, and. This time I got my hundred yes. goals in the grand final, so it was um, yeah, it was a lucky breaker. We didn't win it. Um, played against West Adelaide, Grantley Filkey, I think Randall Bennett, a couple of their stars. Filkey kicked three goals in the first three minutes, and that was basically the what they beat us by throughout the you know whole day. And then, so admittedly, my first memories of you are cricket uh, and that and that side of things. I, I always rated you really highly. The cricket. It's pretty incredible your A-grade district debut. Who do you go out and face, the first bowler you faced? First bowler I faced was the great Kenneth George Cunningham. Um, I'd actually run him out the previous day, so he wasn't really happy with me. And <laughs> back then I batted number seven, came out number seven. And uh, KG was bowling his little wobblers. He's yep. quite a, Actually, KG was quite fat back then. I know you're allowed to say yes. fat these days, but yes. he was. Yep. KG would admit it. Yep. Um, I yeah got a, I think I made a few runs wasn't out not out uh, at the end and that was my debut but and it's just ironic from that point we've we've become friends you know for yeah. forty years and worked together for so long so mm. that was the first yeah my first A grade game against Sturt out at uh, Unley Oval. Do you, do you used to give him a bit of grief on that or does he give you a bit of grief on that? Oh, I, I'm not <laughs> sure he remembers. He always makes out he you know, you ran me out you so and so but I'm not sure yeah, he remember I, me but. I agree but with I, you on that one, re- Wilts. Yes. I remembered him though, Malcolm, and uh, <laughs> but he—he's so belligerent on the field. He was, um, yes. he was oh. really quite nasty, and um, you know, he'd swear at the young kids and that. Now he's such—I mean, he's a gentleman off the field. He's done yeah. better than KG, but 
Is it, back in those days too, we played against guys like Mick Clingley Senior, yeah. uh, Clacker Clark. I played against um, as a seventeen-year-old. Jack Nason. They're all these yeah. guys. Back in those days, the older guys, Bob Blewett, they all stayed around, and and it was a really strong competition. Even the yeah. Test cricketers played district cricket yeah. back then. Yeah. So you played Ian and Greg Chapel and that, and it was it was every side had a couple of older guys who were the teachers and it was a strong comp. I, you know, I scored for Kenzie as a kid, so you know, I watched a lot back then. And, and yeah, it was. Um, you know, I think it's that Salisbury side with Bradbrook and you know, Corsby, Zaddo. Geez, oh, yeah. Um, well, Trevor Kenzie Pearson, almost Fang a, Pryor. Ken, oh. Kenzie had almost had a state side and that's probably where we might have met Malcolm. I yeah. love playing at uh, Parkinson Oval. Yeah. That's a... I guess Sam Parkins and I grew up together. Basically, we made the state primary school together with Harvey Jolly. That's the first time yep. I set eyes on Sam. And uh, once again, it's amazing you have a friendship right throughout from, you know, basically the under-11s to, to what we are now. Speaking of Harley, Harvey Jolly, I actually played against him in bowls today. Oh, there you did go. You really? Yeah, oh, I did small, indeed, oh, yes. The old small Adelaide. So, you know, uh, Harvey and his dad, Bruce Jolly, yes. was their team manager when we went to Sydney to play... Um, yep. I think it might have been 1972, around that time, so a long while ago. Oh, Bruce was involved for a lot of years yep. with, with junior sport and that he was a fantastic contributor in in uh, that regard. So you, let's go back to footy a little bit. Uh, your league debut, round four, 1980, five goals under the coaching of the greatest and Barry Robin against, uh, against the Peckers. Yeah, I only got in because Mike Dosner was yeah. suspended. Um, I came up and... Lucky enough to um, kick five goals. Uh, actually, got, I think I kicked three or four of my first three or four kicks in league footy, but played the next week, only got one, I think, one or two, and then Dosner came back and never played again that year. And then, of course, Barry left the club and Mike Noonan came, and uh, that sort of resurrected. He, he made me believe I could play football, and uh, I basically gave away cricket instantly. And um, after he came as a coach and... and and he's right. He played a bit like he's bit bit like the Jack Odie school. If they believe in you and they think you can yeah. play, they play you. Yeah. Simple and as you, that. And you feel a million dollars for them backing you on that. Well, yes. I did. Um, I mean, I wasn't sure back then. I just played footy with my mates. I just enjoyed it. It wasn't really a big deal for me. I played a couple of league games and thought maybe that's all I'll play. But he actually sat me down, and I'll never forget. He said to me, um, um, "There's a few people at this club that don't think you can play." But he said, but I do. Of course, your chest you know, pumps out. You feel like you're about eight foot tall. Mm-hmm. And he said, I'll tell you what, if you're prepared to put in and um, and give away your cricket, he said, you've got a big future here and I'll play you. And I, I made up my mind because I just joined the, the fiber grade yeah. in that time too, doing shift work. It was Cricket became almost impossible. So I did that, I think, at the age of 23. And... Um, and he played me, and I, he was a wonderful coach. Had him for the next, uh, you know, seven or eight years. Still always wonder how far you could have gone with your cricket. You know, as I said, just scored on that game. You played in the state under 23 uh, at Adelaide Oval, you know, and, of course, you've at least you've always got that famous honour board at at, uh, at Prospect. Uh, and there was Sober, Sobers in 61, Richards in 71, Wildey in 81. That's always something you can... Uh, yeah. yeah. Two pretty fair names to uh, associate in that regard, Wilts. Well, it's funny, and Barry Richards is quite a good friend now too, yeah. but we Hooks used to tell that at the late David Hooks at Sportsman's Nights, and 
He said, what's the difference between the three great cricketers? And they say, well, Gary Sobers was left-handed. Or, you know, <laughs> it was, we've had a lot of jokes over the years. And I think Blewett won it in 92. He didn't quite keep the, this is Greg Blewett, didn't yes. quite the run going. But, yeah, I'm very lucky. I mean, uh, um, obviously, Sobers, they say the greatest cricketer of all time. Um, and Barry Richards is as good a bat as I've seen. So, yeah. obviously, way, way better than me but yeah to be on the same board as them is is quite good did, did i read that, somewhere that um sobers rated you as the best i know that joel garner, joel garner sorry joel garner rated wills as the best bowler uh, best batsman he bowled to an adelaide district cricket so that's yeah i didn't something. i didn't know that yep, um yep. Uh, malcolm told me that but i made i think made 50 odd against glenelg when he first came to australia um, he came and played a district match at glenelg and that's that's the only time i've actually Played against Joe, obviously. That was the year I reckon Malcolm had that took that amazing amount of wickets too. Yeah, 81, 80, um, 81, 82, 82, was it? 82, I reckon. Yeah. This. I'm going to check that. Yeah. Yeah, and the, the I'll never forget him walking out. I was fielding it in the covers, and he walked out. And his pads, I reckon, were as tall as most people. He's the <laughs> biggest guy you've yeah. ever seen. I mean, what was he about six foot eight, six foot yeah, nine? Six foot but nine. but he seemed bigger than that. Like uh, the biggest pads, and a really nice guy. Like he was. Uh, a very fearsome bowler, but a very gentle guy. And so, uh, he sort of made a lot of friends here in South Australia. Yeah, a lot of female friends too. He don't worry about that. Yeah. You heard the story, didn't you? Malcolm, he drove the 240Z and he took the front seat out and drove it from the back. He was that big. <laughs> he sat in the back seat and uh, and drove the car. Uh, Police Academy style. Uh, where Hightower, yeah, Hightower sits in the back seat doing his driving test. <laughs> oh. It really was. But, uh, yeah, what a cricketer he was. So, and then, so the the footy and bit of ironry there. So the footy wise, your rep, your North Adelaide's representative mainly on the you know, the KG with the footy show, and that sort of ended up being a big part of getting you or part of getting you into the media with KG, who originally getting yeah. you involved at Five DN. Yeah, maybe it did play a part, but I'm a bit like you, Malcolm. I'm a footy nut. When yep. I was, my dad took me to the football when I was four and five, and I could recite. Every seconds player, you know, from David Shillaby wearing number twenty-two back in yep. the, yep. you know, the late sixties. I just knew them. And Damien Nygaard when I was a kid, and I saw Neil Curley break Nygaard's jaw at Nord Oval. But I had an interest in that, and almost a photographic memory. So, I think I've always loved that side of football. And uh, yeah, for North Adelaide, they they put me up as a as a player's rep to go on the TV and radio quite regularly. And that, um, but I always. Always wanted to commentate. It's funny. I never really thought I would, but I always thought I could and wouldn't mind getting a chance. And it's just funny how things open doors and you, you know, something goes your way and you get a chance and it's been, what, 30, 35 years doing it. What's your favourite memories there, Wilds? With the commentary? Commentary, or? yeah. yeah. Uh, I think game-wise, game-wise there's been a few. I think the Crows... You know, 97, uh, 98 grand yep. finals. Um, Central District winning their first in the samples, outstanding. The bloodbath in um, 91, yep. North Adelaide and West. I wasn't playing, but I was commentating. But some of the trips away, I, I spent, as I said, 20 years sitting next to KG. We'd go to Tasmania and stay at the Grand Chance. We'd call a game there, and KG was a bit fond of the old white wine, and I'd have to tuck him into bed at night, and I was nearly <laughs> tripped over the bottles as I walked out. But... Um, it's just, uh, and all the friends you make. When I first called, I called with Gary Window, Ian Aitken, Pat Hall. I've called with Hooksy, Ray Fewings, KG, 
um, Rowie, you, you go through Chris Dipmo, you go through the whole lot over a lot of years. It's and they're all they're all good people in their own way. They're all different, but I think the friendships we've made, Graham Corns as well, of course, and Russell, the late Russell Ebert. It's been um, an amazing journey, and, and to get paid to do what you love is, you know, there's no no better job. Um, I go to, I do it for free. I just go there, and I just love it. To, when you when the ball bounces, you're not sure what's going to happen in the next 10 or 15 minutes. And been lucky enough to see a lot of good games, a lot of showdowns. Um, yeah, over a number of years, you get to see a lot of games. Uh, go, the Crows, Adelaide. Yep. I'll go back to my my. The line for the radio people to paint the picture, I will say the best radio I've ever heard was the Ted Witten the Ted Witten lap. Well, you, you know, I, I I pulled over driving. I was driving. I can tell you exactly. I was driving to Jets Cross to umpire Jets wow. Cross from Ferriton Park. So it's it's incredible that I can remember exactly where I was. And you you Reedy and KG, it was just br- it was. It was hard, it was emotional, but, geez, you, you were brilliant. Well, what what happened there, KG, who was, you know, a great friend of Teddy Witten, yep. he couldn't talk. He was just yeah. so choked up. So it started with three of us, and Reedy also got a bit emotional. I thought, gee, and we're looking around left and right up at the commentary box of the MCG, and grown men were crying, just, um, you know, people you didn't expect to be crying. It was when he came around with Neil Curley and, He's waving to the crowd and he's blind. He can't see a thing. And yet he's making out he can hear and see everybody. And that, to me, was probably one of the the great days of football, Malcolm. Emotion. Yeah. I don't think I've seen a more emotionally charged day than when Teddy came around. Yeah. And um, he was yeah. Mr. Football over there. He, he just loved his Vicks. And, yeah, I remember that too. We, we had that on tape somewhere, but I... I'm not sure where that is now, but um, John Reed remembers it. KG yeah. certainly remembers it, and it was um, a really emotional day. Is there one moment that you've commentated and you've just pinched yourself, going, "I cannot believe I just called that and seen that"? Is there is there a moment that sticks um, clear? There was a showdown. I know I got. I, I felt really good. I remember the. Um, Angus Monfries, Monfries big yeah. off-break. Yeah. Yes. I think it was the last year at Footy Park, oh, and. Yeah. The Crows were leading him about 14 points with three minutes to go and Dangerfield missed a, yep. a shot at the southern end to make sure of it. And and I just, I don't know, just I just got in the flow then and everything seemed to come out just right. And we heard that back and even I got a you know a few sort of tingles listening back and Port Adelaide got up and won that game. They had no right to in the last couple of minutes. And I think I said Momfrey's uh, the biggest off break I've ever seen in my life. I, I see it, but I don't believe it. It all came out the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, another one was Crows kicked 30 goals and Chris McDermott were trying to get him up to the 30 against the Bombers and finally did it with a, you know, with about 10 seconds ago. He said, hallelujah. But it was, I think Kenny McGregor might have kicked the goal. But sometimes you, you get it right. Um, the endings, uh, just lately, if, if there is, um, you've got to you've got to think what result it may be. Particularly a big game, it's a grand final, it's like in 2017. If the Crows won, you've obviously got to, you know, you're ready to really sort of blow blow their bags. But it was Richmond, and I, I was quite happy with the. Even though the Crows lost that game, I, I think I gave Richmond enough credit because they were they were awesome that day yeah, too. And once again, the words came out pretty well. Sometimes they don't, other times they do, but. 
there's a couple of, I think I could mention. And what about from a SNFL point of view? I mean, obviously you've uh, um, reeled off 35 of them, so there's got to be a favourite moment there. You've, you've talked about Centrals yeah, a bit uh, earlier on. North Adelaide early winning 91, because I just left a couple of years earlier. That was great. Because most of those guys have played footy with. The, and another emotional one was the 2002 when Sturt won under Brent Phillips yeah. and two days later the guys are in yeah, Bali. Bali yeah. I'd gone to America and I remember being in, in New York uh, um, and no, actually I was in Las Vegas, actually MGM, and I heard that half the Sturt team had been killed. And I thought, you were kidding me. Like I'm trying to bring people back then and see what's going on. But mm-hmm. that was incredible to think that they've gone from pure joy and elation, they lose their team mm-hmm. manager, and they used one of their um, young players, and a lot of people got hurt. And Malcolm, you'd know, a lot of had yeah. scars, yeah. not just the physical scars like Julian Burton and all these guys, but it, mentally they still wake up and and just see and hear that noise of the yeah. bombing. So that Central District, as I mentioned, unbelievable. But one of the best games, even though it was played in atrocious conditions, was last year's um, Norwood North. Oh. North looked like they had the game wrapped up you know, right into the basically last 90 seconds. And it was played in awful conditions. It rained most mostly. I don't know what the score was, Malcolm, 7 to 6 uh, or something. 8-11 to 8-10. Really oh, yes, I can uh, oh, I thought you quote, might know that. quote that off by heart. <laughs> well, he's sitting here in front of me with the King Panos uh, T-shirt on right now. Yes, yes. Well, well, but Norwood, I mean, as I said, I sort of had a foot in both camps. Wanted North to win, but Norwood would be next best thing. And, the way they came back and the way the guys play the footy in that really tough conditions, I thought, what a credit to the Sandfall. And that's got to be up there. When uh, when any game goes to the last few seconds, you're not sure who's going to win and you don't even know when the bell's going to go, the siren. That's So you're commentating and think, you're just expecting to go any time. And, uh, and when it did, Nord were in front. So even the last one of all the... Of all the thirty-four, that that's right up there too. That's Seventeen a, points down at the at the eighteen-minute mark of the last quarter, eight goals to five. It, it's still yep. staggering, really. And, and the North Adelaide lad kicked it out of bounds on the full. Any yes. score probably would have won it for him. Yeah. Yep. Um, but, but that's footy. Yeah, it is. And, and Norden Port from a few years earlier, where it was quite tight until the last yep. couple of minutes as well. So yep. there's been some absolute no, there's, beauties. There's been some some wonderful games. Um, I like calling centrals because they were so um, well. They had such a great side. That you mentioned the Gowans boys yeah. and Heath Hopwood, Marco Bello. Uh, they they had a very very strong side and coached coached beautifully by Roy, um, Roy Laird particularly. Um, to do what they did in, in a over a decade, I don't think we ever see that again. They were just so dominant and uh, still catch up with the Gowans boys. Now we play golf at Tea Tree Gully together, so um, they're the best recruits I think ever because they come as a as a double, two for oh, one. Incredible. And just their sheer influence on oh. the competition, you know, nine flags. It's it's just ridiculous. Well, it's back yeah. to your own footy career. Like so eighty five, eighty six, you're playing the losing grand final. You're having your best year in eighty seven. You and I have spoken privately about this, you know, Glenn Goss. It just had to be incredibly frustrating to miss eighty seven. Yeah, it was. I mean, it's funny for twenty years I denied I played it and now People think I did. I said I got third best and they believe you. But um, <laughs> it was about round 19 or 20 yeah. and it was behind the play. I know things happen in football, but it was it didn't have to be done. I, and he just got me the perfect 
opportunity. I landed awkwardly, landed on the point of my shoulder, and it was a 16-week injury, and I had two or three, to, you know, for, so I knew I was yeah. gone. Yeah. Um, but in a way, I think it helped shape in my media career. I played the the next year and broke my arm, my leg, my sh- uh, yeah, broke my arm, rested my shoulder, and I. At the end of the that season, um, KG rang me up and said, "Do you want to come and and commentate on football? Just come and you know go around the grounds. That's what you'd be doing." But he said, "I can assure you, that things will open up, and if you start here, and things did open up. Yeah. So, '87 was a great year. The boys won it by 15. I could have sat on the bench. I think Mike Armfield and Wayne Slattery did. They got three minutes each on the ground. Yeah. So I could perhaps sat there, yeah. but to watch Darren Jarman in full flight and yeah. get a bit of. Uh, Payback from the yep. Bay beat us up the previous two years. Yeah, it was great. Your last game, as it turned out, your last game, a crazy injury. You've broken your arm colliding with Matty Benson's head. I went to spoil the ball um, and I didn't give him my fist. I got him with my wrist and, uh, yeah, my arm basically just snapped and I knew I was in a bit of trouble there. So went off and <laughs> broken the arm in two places. I think I got chalky bones. Now, yeah. I've had eight or nine, eight or nine breaks over, over the years, and um, broken just about everything: legs, arms, wrist, shoulder, bone in my back. I played in '86 with a broken bone in my back, and I stood Stephen Copping, and he had been in hospital with an epidural the Thursday, so we sat on the boundary all day, and the <laughs> either of us got near the ball. It was incredible. <laughs> and Wills, you've also been through a lot personally. Look, incredible. You're married to a lovely lady, uh, you know, Jenny, involved a bit. You know, personally, with Jenny, was involved with Ben's cricket, you know, at Pembroke and at Paynham. She was a fantastic person, uh, incredible what she did for your two, and then now Gail now, and Gail's relationship with both your kids and the openness of what Melissa puts on Facebook, etc. It's, yeah, there's certainly some highs and lows there, Wilts. Yeah, it was 10 years ago on February the 9th, which, um, which seems amazing. As I said, sometimes it seems... A hundred years ago, other yeah. t- other times seems like yesterday. And the good thing about Jenny, she always stay young. She's only 50, 51 when she passed away, and we got photos still up in the house now. And she she looks just so young. And I always got by by thinking of the the really good times. We're we're married twenty eight years and together a couple of years, two or three years before that. So we had a long association. And she was a great mum, great person. Every, I mean, she had six hundred people plus at her funeral, yeah. which is incredible. For um, It's just bursting at the seams at Centennial Park. And she'd, she would have said, what's the fuss? What are these yeah, people doing exactly here? That's what Jim would have said. Unbelievable turnout. And I, you know, I, I still think about it. I said to Melissa, you know, something good's come out of something bad because had your mum not passed away, you would not be with two beautiful young boys now and a husband in America and living yeah. a, a beautiful life. And she... I think she can see that, you know, the, you know, and I said, your mum's watching over you. Do you know what's going on? Uh, there's an incredible thing happened. I don't know if I've told you the story, Malcolm. Um, and Melissa's wedding was in Hawaii and up in the mountains and we couldn't get any radio reception. And we're driving through there. She wanted me to show the, the um, where we're having the day before where the wedding was. Big ballroom at a golf club there. As we get into reception, the, uh, the song as we went into the golf club was the song that was um, I chose for her at a funeral, and we and I had not heard that song. It's by Enrique Iglesias. Uh, I had not heard that song 
since that day. And as we're driving, she's about to to get married. The song comes up, and we both looked at each other. Said, "You are kidding me." So I said, "See, your mum's looking over you." So yeah, we've just got good memories, Malcolm. I, yeah. I, I, I try not to think of anything yeah. um, too bad. It's all all good. And now, as you said, I've got a beautiful partner in Gail. Mate, uh, I have to ask, uh, we know you as Wields, but is there any other nicknames that you've ever gone by? Go the Malt. I was called uh, called Malt, I don't know why, Malt uh, at North Adelaide. The coach still called, Mike Nenner still calls me Malt, all the footballers do. I was called Ness at Cricket Wilderness, uh, from the Wilderness. <laughs> um, and Matt, then it was Wields and Wildo. Probably Wields is the one that's stuck for the, for the longest, but um, Greg Block calls me Wildo. There's, everyone's got different uh, little sayings, but um, I mean, Stephen Rowe calls me the Kenyan. I'm not sure where he got that from. I think in the in the wilderness. So that's how Rowie's mind thinks. <laughs> not that but, you're running and running and running. Yeah. <laughs> Rowie's but, always uh, different. Yeah, probably Malt, Malt is a footballer, Ness is a cricketer, and, and Wilds now. I look, Wilds. Absolute pleasure to ha- have you involved. Um, yeah, great. Appreciated your friendship, obviously, over the years. And, yeah, look forward to uh, being a caller on SEN. I was we, on with you briefly last night, and it, it is the, the issue of concussion with this legal thing where it's going. Who knows? The end ramifications for that may well be the biggest thing ever in sport. And it could kill the game. game. If, yep. If- I heard Darren Jarman tonight. Um, I've never seen Darren knocked out, but he's he's applying for it too. And if they pay one and they open the floodgates, yeah, oh. uh, AFL will go broke. Yeah, as I, simple as that. I That's why I made the point. I think you, if you know your young lad is a good footballer, he wants to play. We all know there's a risk. You might have to sign a waiver to say, look, we're aware of the. Sure, if you get king hit or whatever, you can sue that person or sue, but. If it's just an accidental knock, look what happened to Jamie Carr. Foot fell off a horse. Yeah. She could have died. Yeah, uh, boxers, when they walk in the ring, they know they could be killed. I mean, we know there's Phil Hughes got killed by a short ball from Sean Abbott. Yeah, uh, look, there's a risk in everything yeah. you do, and that's why I hope um, all this litigation. I know there's a few lawyers around town that want to jump on the bandwagon, but they'll kill the game. AFL won't be able to get insurance. Going to go out and sue my car when I drive home in a minute. Yeah, and that it's it's crazy. Yeah. It, it's it is absolutely crazy. I, I'm re- I knew it was coming, um, and that. But yeah, I'm just, I just yeah, can't I, see I how people all, aren't seeing the whole picture. It's all part and parcel of playing sport. Everybody said their knocks, and I certainly don't blame, you know, my playing footy for the broken bones and yeah. a few injuries. That's that's. We know that there's a chance you could get hurt. I was unlucky. I missed about, you know, 50 or 60 league games while I was out. The other guys, Russell Ebert, missed three. I think one was a poke in the eye. So David Tiller never missed a game. It's it's luck of the draw. Yeah. But I, my biggest worry is a lot of people jumping on the bandwagon too. There's some genuine cases where people are really not in a good way. But yeah. suddenly it's gone from, you know, 10 people to 20. I think there's about 150 people now. Yeah, and putting was, their hand up, and that that could kill sport. It really could. I'm afraid, as I said last night, we're becoming a litigious society. We're copying America in so many different ways, and yeah, you know, I just I think people, as we said, we always know. Hey, just because you happen to be better at footy, 
Yeah, I was limping at a Nord Nord function one night, and Matthew Bartamucci said, oh, what have you done? And I replied, hey, Barta, just because you happen to be good at footy and I happen to be shit house, it doesn't mean injuries don't injuries <laughs> don't differentiate. And it's, you know, I'm sorry. It, we all know we can get injured. We all know we can, you know, car accident, et cetera, and yet we're going to sue at the drop of a hat? Nah, no. And, and it's not a fair system either. But you could have played Pulteney all your life yeah. or Pembroke or whatever, uh, or Norwood Union, and... You could have the same effects and the same knocks, but you've got nowhere to go to sue. Yeah. They've got the AFL to sue, and uh, and and the seas players are doing it to each other. You know, half the concussions are the players that have been involved. That that's the reason why they're getting it. I think they've got to take some of their pay, Malcolm, and put it to a fund. Yeah, you know, I agree. They get paid agree. so well, so put it towards a fund. And if someone is seriously, you know, and genuinely hurt or got problems or issues or can't work they can get reimbursed out of that fund. Oh, look, and I think if there's an, an instant lock... OK, let's just use the Tony Lockett one on... Um, Peter Caven. On Pe- oh, there was a Peter Caven and the West Coast guy um, and that. No, that was Barry Barry, Barry Hall. Hall, sorry. Yeah, Barry Hall with that. Let's... Yeah, yeah yes, that that's different again, you know, yeah. but I'm sorry, concussion in general, you know, nah. it, It's a fine balancing act and the game is definitely more sanitised now than it has been. Oh, it is. And it but, had to be. You know. But if, if you want to play, once again, if you want to play the game, you ask any 17-year-old, do you want to play or and, and risk it? They say, of course I want to play. This is yeah. my dream. Yeah. But it's no good No good. 20 years later saying, oh, AFL didn't do enough for me. That Right at the moment, they're doing everything to minimise, you know, they've taken all the thuggery out. They've made it, far, you know, certain far more open in cases, so... I don't, I don't want to see people just throwing the finger at, and pointing the finger at the AFL. I really don't. Footy, footy collisions are going to happen. Yeah, it's as well, simple as that. Footy's a collision sport, just Correct. like the NRL. It's a, that's you know the you could get hurt going for a mark and fall, taking a specky, falling back on your head. I've seen people knocked out mm. like that. So going to see have landed s- awkwardly. So just sue, sue the yourself AFL for that. Yeah, or sue yourself. You know, yeah, shouldn't have jumped. <laughs> Bad decision. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Crazy, mate. Yeah. All right, mate. We'll uh, we'll get you out on here. We'll get you out of here on this one here. Uh, how do you think the Crows and the Port are going to go this year? Um, I think Port Adelaide might just sneak in in the eight. I'm not as bullish as some people on them. And uh, I sat in with Matthew Nix last week, and they are very keen. They think they'll go forward, and I think they'll win a couple more games than they did last. Maybe get up towards the ten wins yeah. and. Yep. But I've said for a long while, I think you'll see the passing of the bat and end of year. Port will finish ahead next year. I'm positive the Crows will finish ahead of Port Adelaide. So Port have been up for quite a while. Crows have been down for quite a while. And it's just natural yep. progression to get a, you know, players in and a few more draft picks. Yep. I, I, I think the Crows in a couple of years will be well ahead of Port Adelaide. Certainly two different recruiting strategies with uh, Port sort of going with the more tried and true recruits, whereas the Crows have started from ground zero almost. Oh, let's yeah, not Matthew Nick made France. the point. He, Matthew Nick said they won't recruit anyone with a birth date after 1997 or before 1997. doesn't matter who it is. Right, they, yeah. uh, they want players there for five or six years. So um, Smart strategy. That's why Dawson, you know, they got Dawson, they got Keys, they got Rankin. These are the guys they're recruiting in. They've all got to be under 25. And it makes sense, I think, because yeah. they've started right from scratch where yeah. – Porter trying to top up, you know, have another tilt this year. Yep, yep, very much so. Mate, we uh, we can't let you go without giving you your radio show a plug, so floor's yours. Yeah, we, we're on with um, uh, every, well, Monday to Thursday from 6 to 7 with Malcolm Blight. It's on 
SEN and also Cruise Simulcast then, and I'll be also calling the footy on SEN, which um, it go, goes right around Australia. And hopefully, I can get a chance to do a couple of games in Melbourne. That's one of the reasons why I actually crossed over. So I just want to end end my uh, footy calling, perhaps calling a few non Crows and Port games. I've done many, yeah, many of those. Enough. That'd be yeah. awesome. That'd be amazing. Yeah, and I think it can be done if I if I went over there. For the weekend, they could give me a game Saturday, Sunday, come back Monday for the show, and um, I'd really enjoy that. So I'll probably get that organised, at least to, you know, one or two games in Melbourne this year. I'm well, sure Gail can uh, have a weekend shopping in Melbourne. She managed to fit that in too, Matt. Yeah, Mum and Dad live there, Malcolm, and yeah. uh, live in Royal Melbourne Golf Course, and her sister's over there. So a couple of my mates, remember Dave Robinson, one of my yes. good mates, yep. um, he's over there. So I know plenty of people in Melbourne, but, yeah, we'd have a bit of fun if we do it for sure. Yeah, your old fire brigade mates, mate. Yeah. Exactly. Well, exactly. If, well, if Hutchie's listening, uh, put you on the uh, rotation for some of the Melbourne games. I'd be definitely listening <laughs> for sure. I just want to prove to the Melbourne boys that, you know, South Australians can call footy as well. It's not all about Victoria. Absolutely. Yes. yes. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Mate, mate, I really enjoyed it, you guys. Uh, keep up the good work. And, uh, yeah, it was a good chat. Thank Thanks, you very folks. much, mate. See you, boys. See ya. Liking this podcast? Please like, rate, and subscribe. And we've just been speaking with David Wildey, and that was absolutely magnificent just going through his career, not only from a commentating point of view, but football and cricket and some of the events that, uh, that he's been involved with and talking about some of those grand finals was fantastic. And personal side and personal, as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah, great chat with Wildey. He, he's, yeah, someone I... Whose friendship I value highly. Yeah, he's a, he's a good man. Absolutely, and we thank him for his time tonight and certainly be replaying that as part of a special series that we're actually going to be putting together over the next couple of weeks with all the special guests. That will be released on Tuesday afternoons at 12 o'clock and it'll be just the interviews that we've done. So Beautiful. please listen in and if you see the um, image come up on your podcast uh, subscribers, please make sure you have a listen to the, some of those wonderful interviews once again. Give us a like and a follow, etc. Absolutely. Liking this podcast? Please like, rate, and subscribe. Happy days. Kick off our happy days to my we happy days today. We wish Rory Sloan a happy birthday this week. Yeah, he's the ball of energy that, you know, so he's back and about this weekend. Look, his experience will help uh, Adelaide direction on the field, that side of things. Yeah, he's uh, done a few couple of coaching clinics with, with Rory and he's exactly as you see him. As yep. you see him, yep. Drafted in 2008, obviously by the Crows out of the Victorian under-18 system. Played 233 games in 14 seasons, obviously going into his 15th season this year. First real major injury last year for Rory in, in his career, and he seems to have bounced back reasonably well from it. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Yep. Um, how important do you think he is? Look, I, I think he, I th- look, he's, obviously his best as a player has passed, but just the voice, direction, that side of things, which is always hard to gauge from the outside mm-hmm. and, you know, from the inside, very valued. So, yeah, look, he will be a one-club player yep. and that. And, look, I think this talking about a wing. 
So I'm not sure on that, pace. That, yeah, that was going to be my next question. If they do and can find a spot for him, where is going to be his yeah, best I'm spot? I'm not really sure. So I'm, I'm a real fan of him sitting on that half-forward line and, and really pinch-hitting in, in the middle, especially when things aren't quite going Adelaide's way and they need that little bit of change in momentum. Yeah, I'm just not sure. I'm really not. I'm, I was hoping half-back as well. I'm just still not sure what his best value is. Or does yet. he come off the bench as an impact player, get his 10 or 12 minutes and, and, and make that impact and then obviously off, off again? It's a possibility. It is. I think Adelaide look like they've got some versatility, especially with a few players. I mean, we talked a little bit about how we thought Duday might be suited into the midfield like a Bond and Pelly role, and, and Michael Annie then takes Duday's role a little yeah. bit if, if that can work. Um, and then you, you look at Sloan and Keys, maybe switching on the ball a little bit, Rankin and Rochelle. So there's a bit of versatility there. Yeah, there is. It's going to keep a lot of teams guessing. I think we're at the area where Rankin is going to really help Adelaide is the pressure in the forward line. Just his ability to chase and harass mm-hmm. and force that quick kick out of yes. defence instead of the, the the cleaner ball movement, which I is, think will be really important for Adelaide. Which is where Eddie Betts was so good, and right. that's why they were you know, so dominant back there in uh, 2017. Well, you had a player in Castagna at Richmond who, ability-wise, yep. not... not you know, nothing's flashy, but that was his role. Yes. And he did his role brilliantly. Better than anybody else. Harass. Absolutely. Three-time premiership player. <laughs> and there you go. Um, this week in 1980, Arthur Ashe retires from professional tennis. Yes, certainly one of the greats. Um, smooth. Very smooth. You know, mover. You know, very athletic. Yes. Yeah, great player. One of the greats of the open era and um, certainly will be remembered for that as well. This week in 1991 basketball, Magic Johnson sets the NBA record for career assists with 9,898. It's mind-boggling, and it's mind-boggling that the stats are done to that extent as well. Yeah, it's it's uh, that's a, that's a lot of counting. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of shoes and socks off. That's for sure. I'd have yeah. to check to see how many games Magic Johnson played, but the, that's a pretty high average, no matter what way you look yeah. at it. Uh, and he would score plenty too. That's the other thing. So not only is he setting him up, but he's also assisting Correct. in them as well. Mind-boggling. It is. Uh, this week in 1996, the golf, mate, US Masters, the 60th US Masters tournament at Augusta National Golf Club. It was won by Nick Faldo. Wins his third Masters and sixth final for the major title for the year, but finishes five strokes ahead of Australia's Greg Norman. I think it was close in the last round too. Yeah, it was. Yeah, then um, Greg fell away. Unfortunately, he did that a few times in majors. Yeah, I admit that the Masters at Augusta is my favourite golf tournament. Um, love the course. Absolutely. You know. It's just one that you can you, you pencil in each year as a, well, can't do a bucket list so much these days, COVID yeah. and the cost of travel and everything yeah. else with it. But it's certainly on the bucket list to watch uh, and put it on the uh, on the TV, on the sports channels and to go from there. Oh, just the course is just... It's just magnificent, yeah. isn't it? would bend over backwards to get a game, get around there for sure. Uh, This week in 1910, so we're really going back a long, long way here. A couple of weeks ago. A couple of weeks ago. uh, We did talk about baseball early on, and I thought, we'll chuck this one in here because it's really, really good. And it's a tradition with baseball that has stood the test of time because back in 1910, US President William Taft begins the tradition of throwing the ceremonial first pitch of the opening day of baseball. And it is incredible that it's kept 
It has. It's amazing. I mean, these days they tend to have a special guest before each of the games. It might be a rapper, it might be a singer, it might be an actor, it might be another sportsman of some other sport. But it's one of those traditions that has stood the test of time. And how good is that? Yeah, no, it is. That's fantastic, really. And just to finish off on baseball, because I thought this one is very, very important, that in 1997, baseball honours Jackie Robinson by retiring his number 42 for all teams in the MLB. Yeah, it's certainly um, it's a magnificent gesture. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, I've seen the movie with Jackie Robinson in there, and, and I'm sure that it's a toned down version of what actually happened. But if half of what happened in that movie is depicted in what did happen in real life, and this guy had to put up with a hell of a lot of abuse. And because of that number 42 being retired, there is one day that they actually, every player on every team wears that number. Okay. So so it's a real honour, not only that they've retired the number from all the teams, but they have one specific day set aside. That that is the number that every single player in the league plays for that day. That's a pretty Or that round, which is amazing. And also it's a great way of therefore it's not going to get forgotten. Correct. Yeah. Correct. All right, mate, we'll scoot into the uh, time big finish. Go for it. Extra time, big finish. And mate, we talked a little bit earlier on with Wilds about the concussion and the legal ramifications, but Geelong Premiership hero Max Rook is leading a new legal action against the AFL for a life change for some life changing injuries. Yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, dead against it. It could it could effectively end football, um, yeah. So I'm I'm a, I'm a definite no. The uh, AFL obviously looking to avoid as much of lawsuit as possible, but the initial payout in a similar class action in the US initially paid out more than a billion dollars. Yeah, it's it's scary of what the potential ramifications are. All right. Moving on to soccer, mate. Adelaide United, uh, duo name for some friendlies against Ecuador. Yeah, so great to see Goodwin and Fuchi selected in the 26-man squad. So, yeah, good news. I think uh, the young fella, uh, the 17-year-old, Intertecundo, is certainly absolutely pushing his (laughs) name for selection. And I think he scored four out of the last five games that they've played in, and he's come in as an impact player, but he's looking for his first start, obviously, against Wellington Phoenix this week. He's certainly more than knocking on the door. 26-man squad, obviously, uh, playing in Ecuador in a couple of those friendlies, and you'd expect Goodwin to be there, but the um, the goalkeeper, obviously, Fucci, has been selected as well. So um, good luck to those guys there. Yeah. Basketball, mate. We move on to the basketball. We've got some uh, finals being played at the moment between the Breakers and New the Sydney Breakers. Kings. Breakers, yes. And when we when we started the show, New Zealand were actually eleven up at one stage, but uh, in the last minute, uh, forty eight seconds to go, Sydney seventy five, the Breakers sixty nine. So you would think the Kings will hold on from there. We'll watch that one with interest, mate. We will yes, watch that one yes. with interest. Now, tonight, uh, SNFL, uh, this one added, had to be added to the run sheet yes. right at the last minute. Um, but tonight, a new SA state coach has been announced. And good luck to the great man, Jay, the reigning premiership coach, Jay Twig Rawlings. Yes. Good luck, Twig. 
all the best. Absolutely. An assistant coach last year, if I believe, for the yes. state team as yes. well. So stepping up into the main role this year. And we wish him the best of luck, not only with Norbert, but obviously with the state game, which is going to be played as a curtain, a curtain raiser, raiser yeah. to one of the AFL games yeah. in June. I believe, somewhere in there. So we wish uh, them a little, uh, a lot of luck. But we'll also talk about that a little bit more as we get a little bit closer. Move further along. All right, mate, we've we've had a huge episode tonight. Um, Once again, we thank David Wildey for his time and and giving us some insights into his career as a footballer and a cricketer. And uh, And a commentator. And a commentator. And uh, we've covered almost as much sport as we possibly can tonight. We've certainly covered it. We certainly went a few different directions. We'll certainly have another crack again next week. We've brought it all back, and as usual, we promise to do better. Thanks, Mark. In this crazy world we live in, we all need the distraction. Enjoying the show? Like, rate, and subscribe. Hook up and connect with us on social media at SportsCast SA. We'll see you next time on Game On.